0: in trouble does he have a vintage moment in him in the end zone it is caught for the win pressure pass is picked off and who is it
2: big bj Raji for the touchdown Welcome back to another episode of the Packs What She Said podcast. My name is Perry Goldstein, and I am one of your co hosts, joined as always by my lovely co host, Maggie Loney. And today we have a very special guest on this episode, someone we've been wanting to get on for a long time. He's finally here. He is <laughs> the co founder of The Leap, the host of the Locked On Packers podcast. It's Peter Bukowski. Hi, Peter.
0: What's up? I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited to to be on.
2: It's been a long time coming. We're glad to have you on. We're going to preview the Packers 49ers game, which has, I think, in recent seasons become a bona fide primetime necessary matchup of NFC contenders. Um, has not gone the Packers' way the last couple of times these two teams have matched up. So we're hoping that that changes this weekend. Um, And I guess we can just start out with what do the Packers need to do to win this game this time?
0: How much time do we have to dig into all of that? (laughs) Um, No, I I think the, the, the problem in 2019... Was in the first matchup they couldn't block, and the problem in the 2019 NFC Championship game was they couldn't get off blocks, and then last year they did both in that Thursday night short week matchup, which I think everyone forgets heading into that week that there was still a lot of people, including like Packers people that that I think you and I think are smart, like Packers media people who are going. I Shanahan's just going to like torch this team. I just know that that's going to be the case. And then they blow out that 49ers team that had no one on it. I mean, everyone was hurt. And then we start the, the whole cycle of, well, but everyone was hurt. It's like, did you guys forget 48 hours ago when people were saying that Shanahan was going to win anyway, because that's how scared of Kyle Shanahan Packer fans are, which I get, but they blocked and they got off blocks. It's a, it's a miracle. When, when those things happen and the problem for the Packers is as well as they have blocked this season and they have blocked pretty well, they're still not getting off blocks. And if you're not going to get off blocks against this team, you're going to be in for a very, very long day.
1: Yeah. Maggie. Yeah, I agree. And I think, um, I was trying to find the stat while Peter was talking and I couldn't end up doing it, but um, do I need to vamp some more? No, Um, but it was about how the uh, under Joe Barry, this is a Packers defense that currently, you know, small sample size two weeks um, is the best tackling team right now in the NFL. And I mean, I think that's surprising. And yeah, Perry's look says it all. A lot of that could be chasing people down the field and then tackling them. It doesn't mean they're tackling before the sticks, but it does mean that they are actually
2: capable of tackling this year. Well, that's a very nice change of pace, I'd say, if you're looking for something positive about this Packers defense. They're tackling. <laughs> they're they're
0: above average in run stop win rate, which is an ESPN stat that I think is honestly, I think is flawed, but I think it is indicative, especially on the margins. If you're really good, I think you're probably really good. And if you're really bad, I think you're probably really bad. And the Packers pass rush last year, not very good. Um, by by a win rate. And then this year they're in that that like 20s, which sort of feels right. Like Sometimes yeah. they seem like, you know, the second half against the Lions, they got after Jared Goff. The second half against Jameis, they got after him a little bit. That game, you know, the Saints game obviously was over. Um, and the Detroit game, the Packers were playing with a lead. That's the thing I think that gets lost sometimes when we worry about the run defense. And this is something that I have been pushing. I have been an evangelist for this. Um, the, your best run defense is your offense. Right. If you, If you can score... They just unless they're doing the thing like they did in the NFC Championship game where they're getting eight yards a carry and Raheem Mostert is just like it's third and nine and they're running a draw play for 40. Like, okay, don't do that. But as long as you're not doing that, if your offense is scoring like if the Packers score 30, I think they win because I just don't know how the 49ers offensively keep up, even though I think that they have good offensive line, good weapons. But I think if you if you make Jimmy G play in a shootout, you're in trouble.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I actually – I wouldn't say concern is the right word here, but I feel like this is actually going to be a little bit of a bigger test for the Packers' offense going up against this 49ers front than it is for the defense. And mainly because you kind of know what you're getting with Kyle Shanahan. They don't have – a, a running back, but as we talked about pre show, it doesn't necessarily matter with him. Mm-hmm. You're you're want, you want to cover Debo, you want to cover Kittle, and you want to just like get Jimmy G off his spot. You kind of know what this defense needs to do, but like for me, it's the 49ers defense, full force. It's not like last season where you're missing Bosa and everybody that's important. You've got a ferocious front, you've got Fred Warner, who Aaron Rodgers says is the best you know inside linebacker that he goes up against mm-hmm. and a pretty decent secondary so it's going to be the offense like you said Peters going to have to move the ball and score points um to give the defense some cushion because you know that they're going to give up points to the 49ers offense
0: Yeah I, I you know I I look at this defense and I think their front 7 is so much stronger than their their back 4 and and I think Jimmy Ward is a very good safety I think Jaquaski Tart has played um, better as his career has gone on. The question is at corner. They have Emmanuel Mosley out there. They have the, the rookie uh, Diamador Lenoir, I believe is how you pronounce his name. Um, and then they have, you know, the rookie Ambry Thomas, who I really liked for them, but um, he's a rookie. They have Kwan Williams, who is banged up. And then they they just brought in Drake Kirkpatrick, who's been a little bit of a journeyman quarterback after having a, a nice start to his career. That's where this team is vulnerable. It's, it's at yes. the cornerback position. So, Again, to me, it's can they block if they can give Aaron Rodgers time, they can take advantage of this secondary so long as they stay patient. And this was the thing in 2019 that they struggled with, especially in the regular season matchup. They couldn't run the ball. And so they couldn't run the ball and they couldn't block. So that becomes a very big problem. But let's just say they couldn't run the ball. And I think that was part of the issue in the NFC championship game is they felt like right away they had to throw it because the defense couldn't get stops. They have to be able to stay somewhat on script. If the 49ers, they're going to play the two shell. They're going to play two high safeties. And, you know, the, the, what they did against the Packers, I think this last time was they played a lot of single high and dared the Packers to run the ball. And they said, okay, well then we're just going to throw it on your head. And that's what they did. There was the long touchdown to Devontae Adams. They used Aaron Jones in the horizontal passing game. There are a lot of interesting ways you can stress this defense but it's harder to do with Fred Warner out there. It's harder to do with Nick Bosa healthy. It's harder to do when you've got Javon Kinlaw in year two and all of these guys up front. So Elton Jenkins, man, get your stim, get your ice tub, tub, like get all the treatment that you need to be ready for Sunday because if if he's not out there, you know, I think from a front standpoint, it could be a, a replication of what we saw in the NFC Championship game this past season where they just couldn't get guys blocked enough To move the ball enough the difference is I don't think this 49ers offense is as good as that Tampa Bay offense Mm
2: -hmm. but
0: we'll see we'll see
2: yes that was something we were going to ask you is sort of how concerned are you with this front with Jenkins and then if Jenkins can't play because for me that significantly decreases the Packers chances of winning this game without Elton Jenkins
0: yeah, you lose your best offensive lineman and you're going to be in trouble, right? And and that was what happened in the NFC Championship game. I still think the Packers made a mistake not playing Jenkins at tackle in that game. I think there's a chance that they win that game if if he's playing tackle. But, um, you know, they feel confident with Billy Turner at left tackle and Dennis Kelly at right tackle, I think. Um, they're going to feel good about the interior of this offensive line. They played really well. Josh Myers, the number one rookie offensive lineman by pro football focus grades. Your your um, mileage may vary on those grades, <laughs> Uh, and and I get that, but, um, he's been, he's been steady. He's been, he's been really steady. And so if Ellen Jenkins can't go, you know, yeah, that, that creates more problems than it would solve for sure. Uh, do they have an infrastructure in place to, to make up for that? Yes. The question is, do they have a plan then that they can execute with those guys on the field? And I think that's been something that I'd like to see Matt LaFleur take that next step. And I thought last year, he did take a step as a play designer, a play caller with a confident uh, approach to say, hey, Aaron, this is what we're doing this year, and this is why it's going to work. And guess what? Rodgers bought in, and they lit the league on fire. Now what I want to see from him is, okay, we came in with a plan. It didn't work. Now what? Now how do we adjust? How do we get that, that on track part of this? It's like when floor if his script doesn't work, he starts to press. And that's the part of this that I worry about. If, if offensive line is not perfect, are they going to start pressing? Are they going to start going into the drop back game? Is it going to be shotgun and 11 personnel every play? And now it's Rodgers trying to do Rogers stuff. And now it's 2018 all over again. I think we, we saw that against the saints a little bit. Uh, I, I want to see them as an offense, take that next step, whether it's, you know, Nathaniel Hackett putting in more input or Luke Getzey or whatever, or Aaron Rogers putting in a little bit more input. Um, I think that's something that in this game they may need to show at some point this year. They're going to have to show that they can punch back. It may not happen until the playoffs, where they really need to do that. But maybe this is a game where they need where they start to show that. Who knows?
1: I think it's funny that you mentioned Pro Football Focus and you know taking those grades with a grain of salt because JRJ after his first outing, you know, as a starter week two had an 87 grade for pass blocking, which, you know, again, caveat is it's one game. Lions don't have phenomenal pass rushers, especially along the interior. But I guess that kind of begs the question if if Elton Jenkins doesn't play, you know, Perry and I have talked about, you know, Mercedes Lewis just never leaving the field during a lot of 12 (laughs) because you need him as a sixth offensive lineman, but you know, not to look away from San Fran, but what does your long-term offensive line look like for this team? Then do you think you know, is it still gonna be an open competition at guard all season? And there's gonna be John Runyon Jr., Lucas Patrick, and Rice Newman all kind of competing when David Bakhteri comes back? Because I mean, do they slide I, Elton in? That's
0: so there's what I think they will do, and there's what I think they should do. And I don't think those are the same thing. <laughs> um, and part of that is because I don't I don't have faith that John Runyon Jr. is gonna start this week, even though I think that is what is deserved. I think he, he outperformed um, Lucas Patrick in the preseason. By all accounts, he outperformed him in training camp. Lucas Patrick lost his job at right guard, and they moved him to left guard, which is ostensibly a more important position, and he struggled. And I, I didn't think he played well in week one at all. And then John Runyan Jr. goes out there and plays really well, I thought. Um, and so if it is close, then you, I think you ride the hot hand. Like J.R.J. is the guy now for me, um, and then when Elton Jenkins comes back, okay, his best position is left guard. I think his best position for the Packers is right tackle, because I think he's better than Billy Turner at right tackle. Though Billy Turner is solid, mm-hmm. and then you can move Billy Turner to left guard, where I think all of a sudden you you got now you've got the best offensive line in football again. I mean, I really think that that is the case. I mean, I think. I think Taron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek right now are the best offensive tackle duo in the league. I think if they had David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, they would be the best tackle duo in the league, even if Elton Jenkins' best position is guard. What I think they will do is keep everything as it is and just slide Elton Jenkins to left guard, David Bakhtiari in a left tackle. And by the way, that offensive line is also really, really good because by the time it matters, November, December, January, rookie is not a thing. There is no more rookie designation. By then, you've played enough games. It's over. You're a veteran. And so we don't... I don't think... Like I think we worry way too long about what rookies are. After six mm. games, you're not a rookie. You've seen it. You've mm. seen enough. Um, that doesn't mean that you're a finished product, but it means that like the rookie mistakes have got to be out of your system to a certain extent, especially at offensive line. You know the offense. You know the deal. Like,
2: especially now if you're playing 100% of snaps with Aaron Rodgers for exactly. six games.
0: Exactly. Which is why... Not to not to get off topic. I didn't understand. Would love your perspective on this. Why? 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 Why was Eric Stokes not playing in the preseason? Why?
2: Wait, make it make sense. We don't have an answer for you, Peter. We don't. I mean, clearly, clearly he's ready to start because he played better than the veteran that they brought back in free agency. And again, it's the Lions, so... I think this—if how much they play him on Sunday night will be a test because you're going up against actual, like, weapons in Debo, Kittle, et cetera. Brandon Ayuk, if he plays at all. Um, but, like, why would you not get him prepped when he clearly can start for you?
0: I don't get it. Because Royce Newman, he played. If, if it's like starters didn't play, well, he didn't start. So then why was he not out there? Like, if he needs the time, if he needs the rep, if, he, if he's not good enough to start, then he needs to be out there. I don't get it. Maggie, I don't get it.
1: What did you think um, about King in the slot? Because we got asked a lot about it before last week. I am I mean, I understand that they have some packages where that will be required, but, you know, is Chandon Sullivan losing his job? Is this just an effort to not have egg on your face for signing him for six mil? Because <laughs> Eric Stokes is the boundary guy now. You know, he's not getting those slot yeah. looks.
0: Well, what's interesting is I also don't think Kevin King is getting his job on the boundary back. So what is going to happen is maybe in base base King is your boundary corner, but whenever they're a nickel, I mean, it, it happened right away. I thought it was, uh, um, watching it live. I thought maybe it was okay. King gives up the big play. And so Eric Stokes is in there now. That's not the, that's not the case. Right away, first drive, like second or third play, they went to nickel and Stokes was out there on the boundary and King was in the slot. This was the plan. Mm-hmm. I mean, friend of the show, it's not my show. Do I still get to say that? Friend of the show, Rachel Hopmayer asked Matt LaFleur, is Eric Stokes going to be more involved? And he said, Do you want me to give yeah. you the game plan? And she said, Yes, by the way, credit to her. Um, <laughs> and uh, he didn't. But, uh, that it was this was clearly part of the plan for him to be the he is the boundary corner in nickel. And so either he holds on to that nickel job, which I thought in the second half he started to lose reps to Shannon Sullivan. I don't I can't explain it just like you can't with the Eric Stokes things. I can't explain why they decided Kevin King in the slot was better than Shannon Sullivan other than Kevin King is like a respected veteran in the locker room. Sometimes we just aren't privy to some of the political things that are happening behind the scenes. I mean, you guys know office politics, they can be bullshit at times. Um, And maybe that is something that, that happened. I just think over time, his role is going to be diminished to the point that he's just like, he's the dime corner and that's it. Um, Because the, the play sort of speaks for itself. And Eric Stokes was just clearly the better player and they stuck with him. That's what I, that's what I so appreciated about this. It was not reactionary. He he screws up two coverages in the red zone. And Matt LaFleur was insistent that one of them was on Kevin King.
2: It was. And I've 100% asked was.
0: I've I've talked to a lot of people about it, like players who played match quarters, and they're like, I don't if they had a, a call up for that, like okay. But like from a base defense standpoint, that's that's not how it works. But I look, I don't know. I I have I keep telling myself, don't assign blame on coverage busts during a game because we just don't know. Matt LaFleur says it's on Kevin King. I believe him. It's on Kevin King. But he has the other situation, he was definitely supposed to, to sag back to Andre Campbell, TJ Hawkinson, not a, not a great matchup. But he stayed out there. They weren't like, okay, plan didn't work. They stuck with it. And that gives me faith that they're going to stick with him for the rest of the season. And he's their second best boundary corner. I mean, there's, there's just like, is there any question about it? Not for me.
1: I think one of the questions that we kind of wanted to ask you to, you know, looking, even talking about the defense, you know, Perry mentioned, obviously you've got Debo, you've got Kittle, you've got really good weapons on the offensive side of the ball. Then like, what is your best package then on defense? Is it to play Eric Stokes and play a lot of nickel? Because I think we've seen more dime maybe even than we were expecting from Joe Barry too, initially.
0: I just want to say, I picked out the coolest beer can in my fridge because you guys are always drinking something cool. And I just like, I'm getting water. So it's, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I feel exposed here. Um, the, the best package, it's tough because I, I think, I think their traditional nickel is their best package. So I think they need to have three DBs on the field. I think it's possible that their best package is Vernon Scott at safety with, with Adrian Amos and, and Darnell Savage in the slot. I think like that's a possibility. Um, because I think you're going to get better, um, versatility there until we see Vernon Scott in games though. I, I have trouble with that. So I think they're, they're sort of base nickel package with Shannon Sullivan on the field. You can play big, but you can be versatile with it. Um, they, they need the, they need the meat. They need the horses up front to be able to stop the run. Cause they just can't do it otherwise. And we saw more five man pressures in the second half against the lions. And uh, that, that was working. And so I, I think that that's something that they can, they can go back to because if you're in nickel now you're covering up the holes whether it's man or zone if you if you send five if you're in nickel it's much easier for you to accommodate all of the different ways that an offense can attack
2: you I don't like king in the slot Maggie and I talked about this on the show last week we were like what what it, would it look like if they move king into the slot I think if he could tackle his size and the speed that he used to have I don't even know if he has that kind of like four or four top end speed anymore after all of his injuries it's a nice matchup against like big move tight ends like TJ Hawkinson, like Kittle, but it doesn't work if you can't run, run a route with them and tackle consistently. Right. So I thought it was an interesting experiment. I
0: would you trust him on Kittle?
2: No, absolutely <laughs> not. I, I honestly, and, and I, and I, I, I hate to say this because like he is such a like long rangey corner that you want out there for those like size matchups I trust Jair on Kittle more than I trust King even though he's 5'10 and 195 pounds because Jair can play the ball and he knows how to tackle and I I think when Kevin's out there he gets picked on no matter where he is and so maybe you have inside linebacker help like you did against the Lions or you have safety help but you're that's still pulling a defender away to help out your corner and you can't do that against a team like the 49ers because they're going to pick you apart. I think it's interesting that they've been moving Jair into that star role more than they've yeah. been moving Savage into that star role um, you know, in the game rewatches. Savage hasn't really been doing all that much so I don't know maybe if that's the solution to get him to be more of a playmaker is to move him and keep Jair on the boundary but there's enough guys to cover in this Niners matchup that they're going to have to pull out some different packages here. Um, I think, Peter, you brought up an interesting point with the pressure. They have not been getting pressure at all. Mm. And that's only a Kenny problem. Clark. Only <laughs> Clark- <laughs> yeah, Clark. only Kenny Clark. And, you know, I don't know if it's missing Z is really that big of a hole. If it's schematic, I think Barry's been dialing up some blitzes. So they're just not getting home to be fair the Saints and the Lions actually both do have decent lines offensive lines but you're so gonna the 49ers So the <laughs> yeah I mean everyone's paid out on the field like you're gonna have to get home you're going to have to sack the quarterback yeah because you know that Aaron Rodgers is going to get sacked on Sunday
0: Yeah I, I I'm, I'm the more I that I that I've like looked at what they tried to accomplish I just think They need to come out on Sunday and just blitz the daylights out of Jimmy G. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what I would do. Yeah. Because you can run blitz, which you probably need to do anyway against this team. Now, they can make you wrong because of what they can do with misdirection and all of the interesting things that Kyle Shanahan can do in the run game. I'm just not giving Jimmy G time to sit back there and decide who to throw the ball to. I'm just not going to do it. And their offensive line is too good. To just rush for and, and play man behind or even just to play the umbrella coverage. I want to I want to push the envelope and make him prove it to me. Make him prove it to me. I'm going to come out on the first drive and just let him know we're here all day. And, and if you give up a score, you give up a score. You were probably going to give up a score anyway. It's the Kyle Shanahan script. He's probably got some good stuff dialed up. Right. So just just go after him and and see what happens maybe you can force an er, early turnover maybe you can just get jimmy thinking a little bit moving a little bit more and and you've set the tone in a different kind of way i'd like to see some of that aggressiveness it's not in the brandon staley vic fangio dna they like to play coverage on first and second and then on third down get creative and dial stuff up i mean we saw kevin king guys we saw kevin king's slop blitz I was
1: just gonna say that. I was gonna say, what if that is the move for him? You have Amos in the box to cover your big tight ends, and all King does is rush the passer. <laughs> like
0: <laughs> it's like the Jamal Adams role, kind of where he's just like he'd be 6 three. He's got the good length. Like let's turn him into an outside linebacker. You'll have yeah. to
1: learn how to tackle. But so why? have the hands
2: he- up. He's been on this team for four years, and they're just starting to do this with him now. Like that just makes me feel like. It's that like we've tried everything, so let's just try this and doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be successful.
0: It does make you wonder, too, right? they They replaced Mike Patton with Joe Barry and did literally nothing else with the other coaches. Mm-hmm. And so why, I guess if you felt like Mike Patton was the problem, to to a certain degree, I understand that. But to make no other changes, to feel like everyone else is just doing an, a bang-up job, like if everyone else were really doing a bang-up job, your coordinator could only screw it up so much, right? Like that's sort of my feeling on it. And I'm not I, – I hate to advocate anyone being fired. It makes me feel like greasy. I don't like it. Um, but it is surprising to me that that they did not think a, a bigger shakeup was necessary. Um, and so like what what is next? And how do you not lay at the feet of some of these coaches, the issues with um, Josh Jackson playing out of position? I mean, they played him in they tried him in the slot. They never really gave him an opportunity to play safety, which I think probably could have been his best position if they would have given him some time to actually develop and do it. So that's the part of this that, that I, I, I just don't, I don't like, and I don't know that I have confidence. They're going to find the right home for him unless and until they do. Uh, the other thing that I, that I've, I'm thinking of as I'm saying this, what if in those move tight end situations that you, that you mentioned Perry, what if you used Eric Stokes sort of like they used to use Charles Woodson and say, okay, against Jason Witten, that's just your guy, regardless of what coverage we're playing. That's your guy. And we'll figure out the rest, but that's your guy. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a big, strong man corner. He's going to get run over in the run game. That's fine. But we're just not going to let George Kittle beat us. And maybe the better solution is what they did to Hawk a linebacker and a safety over the top. But I don't know. It's just, it's just something I'm, I'm noodling over. Right. So,
2: yeah. They have the personnel to play press man like that. Like they have, they certainly do. And I don't know why they haven't called upon that in a bit. I, I don't,
0: I don't either. Uh, this was something that I was thinking during the game. Like why, why, why? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, they, they drafted a press man corner in the first round. Kevin King is a press man corner and Jair can do whatever you need. Yeah. And yet they brought in a coach who doesn't need you to play press man, doesn't really want you to play press man. Yeah. So what, like how it, it, are they maximizing the talents of the people on the team and fitting that into the scheme? Or are they saying, okay, here's the scheme, go fit that. And that's what I worry about. Cause I think offensively they do such a good job of finding roles, someone like Marquez valdez scaling in anyone else's offense is not going to be as productive because he really only does one thing. But guess what? The Packers really only ask him to do one thing and he does it really well. Al Mazzard is a kick-ass blocker and a, and a solid possession receiver. They don't ask him to do other stuff, really. They do have like the faint, the, the, the play-action shot play in the, in the playoff game is like the perfect faint on that. Like, okay, fake the block and then haul ass. Um I think that 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 kind of stuff can work. Defensively you just can't play that way. You just can't hide the flaws the same way cuz you're not dictating terms the same way. So that's why Jim Leonard was the guy that they wanted to hire um and didn't get to unfortunately and we'll see we'll see if they're able to make some adjustments. have you do you have the confidence? Let me let me phrase it that way. Do you have the confidence that Matt LaFleur, if he's not getting what he wants, will work with Joe Barry to say, this is what we need to be doing and help him execute that vision.
2: Yes, because yeah. apparently he did that in during halftime, which I know some people have some questions about, like, how, mon- how many halftime adjustments can you really make? But, like, I view it as... I'm glad they're communicating. This is week two, game two together. They should be communicating and talking about what they think works best. And at the end of the day, Matt LaFleur is the head coach. And so if he tells his coordinator, I know these guys, I've been working with them for years longer than you. This is what I think is going to work well. You go do it. He should go do it. I
1: want to talk about the offense more, but I just, the last thing I like, I think that's been so confusing that Perry and I have talked about is, you know, you you knew you weren't hiring Staley like you were hoping that Joe Barry would bring some of that Rams defense over to the Packers and you think the Packers theoretically had the personnel to do it knowing how important the star role was you know in that type of defense you know the fact that maybe Kevin King is getting like kind of shifted into that role because it's like a last chance for him it it feels like I understand what maybe they're trying to do to, to keep him on the field but it just is like the absolute worst fit when you have Jair and Savage and Vernon Scott honestly probably could play the star and play it pretty well. You know, you saw like what Troy Hill was able to do. You have guys like Jalen Ramsey now doing it. So it's just weird, but Perry, we don't have to talk about the defense anymore.
2: I have one more (laughs) defensive question and then we'll switch. And it's,
1: it's 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 your show, Maggie,
2: bring us back to the game on Sunday because we've seen Kyle Shanahan trot out Trey Lance in some packages. We know Mm. that, Jimmy G is the guy supposedly still QB one, but like Kyle Shanahan is not afraid. And I think the lack of fear that head coaches feel against this Packers defense is like very real. And so I think, I think Kyle can pull out some packages with Trey. Do the Packers need to game plan for that?
0: Oh, 100%. And and that is why, that is why you don't just make the switch because for X number of weeks before they ultimately do, you have to game plan for both guys. And that is a competitive advantage. It is, it's why teams are like, you know, Matt Nagy doesn't want to name a starter until he absolutely has to whatever. Um, And now he has, but they do it because they think they can create a competitive advantage. The difference is in this case, we know they're both going to play. And so we know you have to, you have to game plan for both of them. This is like Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick in, in coincidentally, the 49ers, um, you know, whatever it was six, seven years ago. Um, it's longer than that now, isn't it world? Um, and the, the difficulty is you have to spend real time. I mean, real time going, okay, on zone read, these are your responsibilities You don't have to do that against any other team. Now, it's good practice. They play the Ravens later in the year. They're going to have to understand how to defend some of this stuff. But they're running QB power. They're running counter bash. They're running these these concepts that you just don't see NFL teams running. And if you don't prepare for them, they're going to kill you with them, especially in the red zone where Green Bay's defense has been an atrocity. I mean an atrocity. They, a football atrocity. Okay, I do you know, be, be okay about this. Um, and I, I like I don't have any faith they're going to have any chance of stopping Trey Lance in the red zone. So you have to keep them out of those areas. And you have to be ready to stop the big plays. There, This cannot be a game where George Kittle catches a 70-yard touchdown pass.
1: Well, you just the, can't,
0: you can't let it happen.
1: Well, and the 49ers are the number one ranked offense right now in the red zone. They're four for four. So a 100% success rate. It's
0: pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm not great at math, but that that's pretty good yeah, I think. I, don't the know pa- I think be the Packers I think the Packers have the opposite, don't they? I think that they're like I I think the number is 6 for 6 on defense, the giving up touchdowns or giving up scores yep. in the uh-huh. red zone.
1: Yep.
0: Six so
1: six.
2: It, it's, a, it's it a is the ben unstoppable Henry. object
0: or the unstoppable force meets the highly movable object unfortunately. <laughs>
2: Right, let's switch over because I think uh, talking about the offense is just more fun and a little <laughs> bit more positive because yeah. that's where the Packers shine. That's I no mean, matter. we we touched on it earlier, but I think there are a couple of ways that Matt Lafleur can game plan for this offense to move the ball against the 49ers front. Rodgers mentioned it in its presser, and it's so weird to me. I, I listen to a lot of the pressers, and I don't normally pick up on things, but for some reason he said this the other day, and I was like, that's so smart. Why didn't they do that before? And he talked about moving the pocket, how if you just let them like bull rush you, the Niners are going to win every time. And so you've got to get them kind of off their spot and sort of move the pocket. Of course, for Rogers, I think a key in this game is getting the ball out quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, he is like incredibly efficient when he gets the ball out in under like two and a half seconds. He can't scramble like he used to. He even admitted it. Um, and sort of stretch them that way. So thoughts, moving the pocket, anything else the offense can do to move the ball.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things too, where uh, usually what you when you want to move the pocket, it's because you don't trust your quarterback in the pocket and uh, or you don't trust your offensive line. And so the Vikings are great at this. They'll go six, seven-man protection and roll cousins out just so they can, they can get protections. And guess what? They've got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. One of those guys is probably going to get open. And you can create these plays down the field. The 49ers can do that. The 49ers do do that. They they go max protect and they get George Kittle and Devo Samuel running a combo route. And all of a sudden, someone's running wide open, even though theoretically you should have seven guys covering two. You don't. Uh, the, the Packers have that those elements in their offense. We just haven't really seen them. Um, the, the interception against, um, the saints was, was kind of one of those where it's really a, it's a three man combination route, but, um, Rogers kind of just threw it up for grabs there. They, they have to be willing to do that. But what we saw from the saints was they said, we don't care about your play action. We just don't care because we, they didn't trust the Packers were going to run it. And so that's why they, they accounted for those boots. So effectively, the linebackers just said, we're not going to take the cheese. We are not gonna we are not gonna trust that you're gonna hand the ball to Aaron Jones. And so when you roll and they run that little flood concept where they can dump it off to the tight end or hit the in breaking route behind, the Saints had that covered because they just said we're just not gonna deal with the play action part of it. And so you also have to be willing to run the ball too. And and that's a key here. You have to be willing to stick to it, even if it's just three yards, two yards, three yards, minus one. Like they have to trust that you're going to be able to do this, which is why your defense has to hold up at least somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, but rolling Rodgers out, yeah, great. To your point, he's not what he used to be athletically, but he's still, um, he's still Aaron Rodgers, right? And so he's still going to make linebackers go, wait, what do I, how do I, what do we do here if he's breaking the pocket? Yeah. And he can still make throws down the field. We, we've seen him do it. Um, he, he still has that crazy accuracy down the field and on the run. So I I think it certainly can be part of the offense. I'm wondering how they're able to do it with, with more creative ways to use play action, not just single fake. Here we go. It's gotta be like, okay, jet motion, play action, fake, or play action, fake orbit motion, fake. And all of a sudden you have, you know, now you've got multiple guys creating this, this stress on the eyes of defenders. And and now maybe you've, you've made it a little bit easier. I think that stuff is, is also important. How much you can really move the pocket is just, is really based on how much you can get effectively to play action because you, it's the drop back game. You're not really moving the pocket in the drop back game. So it, you have to be able to run the ball too, and you have to have a defense that's willing to respect you running the ball.
2: Yeah. So is this, uh, I mean, we saw the offense completely move through Aaron Jones against the Lions. This feels to me like a more big power run game. Is this an A.J. Dillon game? Is this a mix? Is this a pony package game? A little bit of both? like Because A.J. Dillon, in my mind, like you said, if you're just trying to get them to respect the run game, and it doesn't really matter if they're only getting like two and a half yards per carry, A.J. Dillon's going to get you four no matter what happens. So do you just have him smash the ball down their throats?
0: Well... My answer to that is always yes. Um, I always want to see AJ Dillon just like running through guys. And and he had a beast mode run on Monday, even though it's like only like a six or seven yard gain. I mean, he, he, he broke a, a tackle in the hole and then ran over someone and then kept his legs moving. And I was just like, yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, is it a power run day? That is an interesting question to me against this team because – Their linebackers are fast, but they're not big. So if you trust Dominique Daphne in the hole against Fred Warner, or you trust Josiah DeGuara to lead in those kinds of plays, maybe it is that kind of just like it's a lunch pail day. And if they're going to play too high safety, we're going to play um, big personnel and come get some with Mercedes Lewis and Dominique Daphne and let's go. And it's, it's an old school 1994 kind of William Henderson lunch pail game. You you would love to see it. Honestly, it would be great. It would be great to watch. Um, Do I think it's the the best thing? I don't know. Um, I think they want to be more diverse with their personnel packages, and they were much more diverse against the Lions. And so I I always want them to be in Pony. Like I always they could if twenty one was their base package, I'd be fine with it. Like, I just want AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones on the field as much as possible because we saw against the Rams how big a stressor that is to be able to give inside handoffs to AJ Dillon and run over people or send Aaron Jones in motion and freak everyone out. Because if you throw him the ball, he can create with the ball in his hands. We just saw it last week. Yeah. So, what I think is going to be really interesting is okay, the Packers showed a bunch of stuff next week or last week, this week, Monday. How much of that then becomes, okay, now we showed this to you. Here's what we've got next. Because that's what Matt LaFleur is so good at is saying, okay, we put this on tape. You're gonna you're gonna scout this. And now here comes the shot play off this. So will they will they do the motion to Aaron Jones, fake the tight end screen and have some kind of throwback play? Or or it's a double move on the outside, Devontae Adams, and he's streaking down the field, something like that. I mean, I think that there are there's a lot of fun things they can do there, but to to answer your original question, I think this is a great week for Pony, it, and and I every week is a great week for Pony. But which we are Zach Cruz and I decided we are calling the the Lil Sebastian package until further notice, <laughs> and uh, I I think that's a great way to stress a really good defense, their eye discipline because of the versatility it gives you, and it's more opportunities to get Aaron Jones the ball in space. He's their second best creator in space after Devontae Adams, who has just an entire collection of ankles after Monday. Um, and uh, I think that that that's that's how I, I would want them to attack the 49ers for sure.
1: Yeah, I look at this game and to me, um, I like I love the way that they set everything up against the Lions, because to me going into Sunday Night Football, it is the Aaron Jones decoy game because you can play Aaron Jones against Jamie Collins and Aaron Jones is going to win 10 out of 10 times Mm -hmm. against Fred Warner. That's trickier because Fred Warner has the speed to cover the middle of the defense. But now, like you said, you've used motion and you've created a lot of these looks that the 49ers are going to have to account for. So even if Aaron Jones is covered, that's when you've got MBS, you roll out Randall Cobb and some motion, you've got AJ Dillon up the middle, you know, like you've created all of these different options. So, as much as, you know, obviously we'd love for Aaron Jones to have that kind of game every week, I think that it was a really good setup for them to do all this against Detroit and a slow inside linebacker so that they have all these uncovered looks now that they can roll out against the 49ers.
0: Yeah, maybe we get the the Aaron Jones sluggo back in the mix. Remember 2019, <laughs> they ran it twice, and they, they had the score against the Chiefs. He stepped out of bounds. Oof, tough one. And then Aaron Rodgers just missed him. On that against Washington, remember, and, and Aaron Jones took the blame on Twitter. Said, actually, this is my fault. I was supposed to widen that, and it would have been a touchdown if he had. On you know during the game, we were all like, oh, Rogers, whatever. Um, and it turns out it was Aaron Jones' fault. So um, I, I think I think that is very astute. I, I love that idea, and and I think it dovetails with with you know the the point that I was making about how he likes to set things up. I mean, when was the last time the Packers played two games in a row that looked the same? It's just not how they operate. Well,
2: they'll roll out with the same looks and then do different things off right. of them. Yeah. yeah. I and just that's what makes I, them so tough. Yeah. It was interesting because I think the Saints game, they came out in like 80% 11 personnel, which is just so against what they normally do. Like very Hated. Mike McCarthy yeah. old. And then yeah. in the Lions game, they had a lot of 12 personnel with Lewis and Daphne on the field, which I think opened up the run game a lot. But like you said, Peter, they had at least a handful of 21 personnel packages in the first three quarters, quarter four, the game was already over and it was kind of back to, you know, basic, but I think 20 or I think 12 is going to be important for this, for this game against the 49ers. But
0: well, and, and getting Josiah Deguara back, is part of that, right? I mean, we haven't even I don't think they've run 13 personnel once. They haven't. So, that was a big like go back to 2019, they had they had like they played empty out of 13 personnel. I mean, Matt LaFleur loves to do crazy stuff like that. And they haven't I don't they haven't had three tight ends healthy to do that with really. This year, um, and and so if you get Deguara back, because I don't think they really want to do that with Daphne. I just I think he's like their H back, and that's what they're doing, um, which is which is great. Um, I think if Deguara can get back this week and he's practicing, which is great, because um, that was a scary hit and it was scary that he was down for as long as he was. But if they can get back to that, that that gives you a lot more options. Like I, I so I'm going to ask ask you another unanswerable question. Why have we not seen more of the tempo? Because I've been waiting for them to go heavy personnel and and go hurry up for, well, forever, but also for like since Matt LaFleur showed up. Like that was supposed to be the idea of if you want to play a bunch of 12 and 21, then do it and play hurry up and make them account for, okay, it's 21 heavy and now it's 21 spread and you guys figure it out. I just don't know why we have, why haven't we seen that?
2: That's a very good question, Peter. You should ask Matt Lafleur.
0: I should. He won't um, return my texts.
2: I mean, my thought process this season is likely because there's so many rookies on the line that that would be difficult for them. But I can see that. That doesn't necessarily. That's not an answer for for the last. How much? How much weight do you put on the psychological aspect of this matchup? Because yes, yes, the Packers won last season, but. I don't even count it because it, it wasn't the 49ers at full strength. Um, and we were still, as fans, I'd say, like, kind of nervous going into that game. Yeah. The Packers have gotten destroyed every time they go out to California. They just get destroyed. So is there anything to that? Or is that just a fan superstition?
0: So what I wonder is like, there is no one more superstitious – fans are really superstitious. There is no one more superstitious than a pro athlete. No one like they are. It's like the old Ace Ventura line. Like I've got a linebacker who has not washed his strap in three years because he thinks flies are lucky like that. It's that kind of thing. And, and that's a really gross joke. But uh, it, it's it's true about athletes. They are incredibly superstitious. They have I mean, Aaron Rodgers has favorite shoes. Like when he wears the whatever the Nike cleats for, for at in the turf, like he just he loves them and he's like, okay, I feel better. The the pants, like they are creatures of these habits. And so I I I think it would only be human for this thing to sink into their minds psychologically, right? Um, I don't think though that anyone on the Packers thinks the 49ers owns them. I don't think Matt LaFleur thinks Kyle Shanahan owns him. And that is going to be a narrative. That's going to be a thing that fans say, oh, the 49ers own us. That's always a thing that that fans like to say. Oh, the 49ers own us. The Seahawks own us. Um, I just, that is not a thing to me because all of these guys believe when they go out on the field that they're going to win. And, you know, the Packers, the Packers were sure. I mean, do you remember the press conferences after the NFC championship game? The Packers were sure they were going to the Super Bowl. They were sure. And that game wasn't close at halftime. (laughs) They were sure they were going to win, um, so I don't I, like I don't buy into that part of it. Do you know what I mean? So that's a, that's a different thing. Now the California part of it, I can't I can't really make sense of it. Um, I, I think you can say in like the Chargers case, that's a weird game. That game was played in a soccer stadium in front of sixty percent Packer fans, and it's just a weird thing. I don't know how much else you know. The 49ers are just a good team. So, yeah, they went in and they got the doors blown off by by a really good team. And sometimes that's the case. It's like saying, oh, this team lost a bunch of times in Texas in the 90s. Yeah. Do you remember when the Cowboys were really good? Of course, they lost every time they went to Dallas. The Cowboys were awesome. Um, Brett Favre could not win in the old Cowboy Stadium because the Cowboys were awesome. They were and, and that game for whatever reason, NFL, was always in Dallas. It was never in Green Bay. And then they finally played it in Green Bay, and guess what? The Packers won. So I don't think that there's some, like, California voodoo magic going on. Um, so, but the, the the there's definitely going to be some, like, I'm changing my socks. I'm listening to different music. Like, that stuff going on in the locker room, I promise you that's happening. I promise you that's happening. But they're not going to go in thinking, like, we can't beat this team. Of no course way. not.
2: They're, they're not, that would be just doing themselves a disservice, I think, because um, they have to be confident. Not cocky, but confident. Um, all right, Peter, who are you taking then? Oof. <laughs> hmm. Score and winner prediction.
0: So on my show, I predicted 30 to 27 49ers. Fair. Um, I have, a. I have, concerns about the offensive line because I don't know if Alton Jenkins is going to go. So if Alton Jenkins goes, I will have a lot more confidence in this, this team's ability to block San Francisco. I I have to, for right now, I have to stick with that prediction. Uh, I think the Packers cover the points. If you're going to give me just an against the spread chance, your, your listeners are going to be much happier that I take the Packers points. But um, I, before the season, I picked this as a loss I, I think they probably lose it, but I think they can win it. And I said on my show, like if they won by 10, I wouldn't be surprised. Cause I think they're that good. But if they lost by 10, I would also wouldn't be surprised. It's just one of those matchups. I really don't know what to expect from this 49ers defense. I don't know what to expect from this Packers defense. And so it's hard for me to predict anything other than a close game. I think it will I think it will be a close game no matter who wins.
2: Yeah. I agree with you, Maggie.
1: Yeah. um, There's a lot that goes into this one too. Like, you know, I think, you know, teams bring their own energy and the Packers had their home opener and they talked about what it meant to play in front of 77,000 fans. And this is the home opener for the 49ers spent the first two weeks on the road. It's their throwback year, their 75th anniversary. Um, So I think that, you know, like taking all that into account, it's going to be a very hostile environment to kind of go into on Sunday. I agree with you. I think it's going to be a close game. I wouldn't be surprised either if it's a two score game for either party. I don't think a loss here for the Packers kind of defines their season. So I hope that people don't start, you know, freaking out if the Packers end up starting one and two, because I think that's a possibility. I agree with you. I had this as a loss for them going into the season. Um, but I do think it'll be a one score game. And my score that I'm thinking is 28
2: 24 49ers.
0: They cover. Okay.
2: I think I'm a little more pessimistic than you all. Mm. Um, I, I, I think the Packers coasting you, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Who's calling the kettle black here, man. <laughs>
0: um,
2: I think the Packers <laughs> dropped this one. And I think, again, I agree with you both of that, that, that that's okay. It's okay. If they lose to the 49ers, I actually have, the I had in our beginning of the season of the 49ers winning the West. I think they're going to end up being a lot better than people think they will. Um, the defensive front just scares me. I just don't know if this offensive line um, can handle it. And I think their kryptonite has been when they're down at all, they spiral. And so until I see a game where that happens and they can bounce back, I I worry. Um, I think Andy Herman said it and Maggie and I both agree. We'd love to see if the Packers get the chance to not defer and to take the ball first and just go yeah. down and score and get up early but they didn't do that against lions and they still won so i don't know if there's anything to that but i do see the packers losing i think somewhere around yeah 27 24 27 23
0: i did not like it all andy making such a good point i didn't i, li- I didn't like it
2: i know you don't. <laughs> i didn't like it
0: he he did he came on my show and and made such a great point i was offended I you was so mad.
2: It. You really hate to see it. But
0: then, I, I, then I, I went on his show and and I tried to get him back and make some good points. Whether or not I did, you have to be the judge. I don't know.
2: Yeah, well, I'll <laughs> we'll have to go listen to that and give you our feedback. Uh, Peter, we've kept you so long. So we just want to say thank you for coming on. Please plug all the things that you're doing for our listeners and let them know where to find you on social media.
0: Uh yeah, Peter underscore Bukowski on Twitter is the easiest way to make sure that you catch it all. Locked on Packers, of course. Any any podcast platform that you use, uh, we're there. We're on YouTube now. We just started doing that. Um, so if you're a YouTube person, you know, you you probably watch Pack What She said. If you're a YouTube person, then you can watch Locked on Packers. That would be awesome if you it's it's companion content, I think, in my opinion. Um, and uh the Leap is is our new venture. Um with Jason Hirshhorn uh, subscription service. It's always free on Monday. You can subscribe and get all of our, our digests on Monday. A lot of the, the Monday uh, newsletter is the biggest one, but there's uh, some really cool stuff on there, including a first person, Mike Wall essay that I just was, uh, he was awesome to talk to. And I'm really glad that, that he was able to, to offer that contribution. So go check that out uh, at the leap.substack.com.
2: Love it. Very exciting. We love all of your Ventures and looking forward to reading what comes out of the leap. Thank you again to Peter Bukowski for coming on the show. Um hope everyone enjoyed him. He's always a, a wealth of knowledge. Um, Maggie and I are gonna do our game picks. Obviously, we heard that I don't know. Did you did you see you taking the Packers? I'm taking the Niners. Are you officially taking the Packers? Are you taking yeah. I'm taking the Niners. You're taking the Niners. Okay, this is the probably the only time either of us have ever picked against the Packers um, in the same game. So I don't know what that means. Maybe it's a nice like reverse jinx, like some like reverse psychology on them. Um, Tonight, we're recording Thursday night. Tonight is Panthers-Texans. Panthers are 2-0. Are they going 3-0?
1: Yes, I'm taking the Panthers.
2: Me as well. My favorite game of the weekend is Sunday at 1. Um, It's Chargers-Chiefs. I think it's going to be so fun. I'm actually going to take the Chargers.
1: Interesting. I'm going to take the Chiefs because of their last second loss to the Ravens. I think they're going to bounce back really hungry and angry.
2: I love that. I love when we pick different teams. Um, Cardinals, Jaguars. I think this is a fairly easy pick, but I'm going to go Cardinals. Same. I agree. hmm Okay. This one I'm very curious your thoughts on because – Justin Fields is going to be starting for the Bears, his first big league start. And they play Marks Browns.
1: Still the Browns. I want nothing but the best for Justin Fields outside of two games a year. I guess three games a year this year, then. But um, I don't know. I just I think the Browns overall are a much better team. I think the Bears' defense is still suspect, and I think that there's going to be some growing pains. Um, He's got a bad offensive line, too. I'm kind of worried about him with Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney.
2: Yep, I'm with you. I think the Browns end up taking this one, but I think it's going to be a really fun game no matter what. Anyone who just enjoys football is going to love seeing, you know, a top 10 pick get his first start. Um, But, yeah, definitely taking the Browns. Washington at Bills. I'll take the Bills, but that's going to be a really good game. A
1: lot of really good defense.
2: Really good game. I'm going to take the Bills as well. Mostly because of the quarterback situation in Washington right now. Um, really fun divisional matchup. Colts-Titans. I think I'm going to take the
1: Titans, but the Colts have looked better than I think I thought they would to start the season.
2: Okay, so just to be on the other side of things, I'll take the Colts. Okay. Because I, I really they're... think that this could go either way.
1: Mm-hmm. I think so, too.
2: Saints-Patriots. I'm going to take...
1: Ugh, I don't like it. I'm gonna take the Patriots, I think. I think the Saints got their uh their start against the season and now it's uh downhill from here.
2: I agree with you. I think the Patriots defense is gonna give uh Jameis Winston some fits.
1: Yeah. It sucks that he got, you know, his licks in against the Packers first, but I think that
2: <laughs> I think they're
1: not necessarily as and, I mean, their cornerback situation is also still pretty suspect with the injuries, so.
2: Agreed. I agree. All Falcons, Giants. It's kind of a gross game. I'm going to take the Giants, actually. Me too. I think they're an overall better team right
1: now. Which is insane with the offense that the Falcons have, but. Or should have. But. Yeah.
2: To me, it's the Falcons defense. Like, I don't even know who's on it. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Okay. An important divisional matchup for your husband's Browns, Bengals Steelers.
1: I think it's going to be the Steelers. I think it's going to be a really good game. I think the Bengals are going to keep it one score and then the Steelers are going to lose next week to the Packers.
2: I'm going to take the Steelers as well. Um, I think the Bengals offensive line, just scary. Bad. scary bad not scary good poor joey joey b um, ravens lions ravens yeah, ravens. yeah. <laughs> um another kind of toilet bowl game jets broncos um i'm gonna take the broncos i don't
1: trust the jets
2: i don't trust the jets yet either i'm also i would also take the broncos um let's see what's next the rest of them are really interesting okay the I was about to say four o'clock but it's three o'clock central time Dolphins Raiders
1: I'm gonna take the Raiders but I also kind of like that matchup for the Dolphins
2: Mm -hmm. I'm taking the Raiders I'll take the Dolphins okay yep okay I think this is the game of the week it has to be the game of the week Bucks Rams.
1: It's oh, gonna be such a good game. Um,
2: I'm gonna take the Bucks.
1: I don't like it, game. but I'm gonna take the Bucs. You're
2: gonna take the Rams? Okay. I'm gonna take the Rams. I hope you're right then. I think the Rams offense right now is really fun. Obviously the Bucks have a really good defense, but the Rams are home. And I think if I I think they can do some things against this Bucks defense. Then we got Seahawks Vikings.
1: It's the Seahawks. <laughs> I just I don't, I don't feel good about the Vikings this year, which I mean I I feel really good about the Vikings this year but not when it comes to winning football games.
2: And then we are we already picked Sunday night football game and Monday night is Eagles Cowboys.
1: It's going to be a good game. I think I'm going to take the Eagles actually. I I just yeah, I yeah, like rooting Jaylen. for Jalen Hurts. Yeah.
2: I do too. Um, I'll, I'll again, play doubles advocate with you, and, and I'll take the Cowboys.
1: It's, I think it's going to be a one-score game. It's going to be a really good matchup, I think. Yeah,
2: I agree with you. Um, it's hard for me to root against Dak, even That's though I the Cowboys.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that NFC East is wide open right now. Any Anybody really is a contender, which makes it fun. So this game is going to matter a lot.
2: Yes. Very exciting. Very exciting. All right. This was a really fun, long episode. If you made it to the end, you can follow us on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein, Maggie J. Loney. You can follow us, the podcast on Twitter, PWSS Podcast, Packs What She Said on Instagram and Twitch. If you missed our Twitch live show, we did a recap on our drive to the airport after the Monday Night Football game, we're going to be doing those every week. Um, just some recaps on Twitch. We'll tweet them out. You can watch rewatch it if you miss it. Um, and uh, as always, you can find us on the Packaday podcast. We usually, we try to you know guest around and we'll plug. We're going to have some fun female guests on for, in over the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll get some opposing teams reporters on to talk about the matchup. So we're really excited for those as always. Um, Maggie, did I miss anything?
1: No, just thank you everybody for listening and go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.